the American Theater Wing, and the New York Public Library for the Performing Arts bring you the American Theater Wing's Guide to Careers in the Theater. This session, the musical director. Hi, I'm Ted Chapin with the American Theater Wing, and with me today is Paul Gemignani, considered by many the dean of musical directors on Broadway. Thank you for being here, Paul. Thanks. Um, I want to start off with a question about musical director, because I know that there's a confusion in people's mind as to whether a musical director is a conductor, or is there something more than a conductor that a musical director is? So is a musical director and conductor the same thing? No, and yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the musical director is responsible for all the music in the show, the vocal music. Uh, he's the conduit between the composer and the score and the orchestrator in that triangle. Uh, and he can be the conductor of the show. Um, the conductor himself, if he's not the musical director, is usually the assistant conductor, the associate conductor, or somebody, for instance, if I go to London or somebody goes to a foreign country and you, and you put a show up and you're the musical director, chances are a local conductor will conduct. So that's the difference. Mm -hmm. The conductor just is responsible, not that he's not responsible right. for anything, but he's not responsible for creating any vocal, uh, any vocal arrangements. He's not uh, responsible for, you know, uh, uh, um, organizing orchestrations or, uh, and getting the orchestrator and the composer together. He's not responsible for any He's just responsible for conducting exactly. the orchestra. Okay, I should have started by saying that, that you, among your many years of experiences, you've conducted virtually all of the Stephen Sondheim shows in the last few years and the current uh, revival of, of Kiss Me Kate. I want to talk about Steve Sondheim for, for a moment because obviously you are part of the Sondheim team mm -hmm. and obviously a key member since you know, he is a living composer and, right. and, and lyricist. When are you brought in on a Steve Sondheim show? When have you been? Usually early. I mean, uh, I don't, not on the idea, but usually uh, when he has the score uh, at least in, 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 in his mind, uh, uh, in the right direction and, and, and on the way to finishing it, uh, he usually plays the score. Uh, <clears throat> Does he ask your opinion? Vocal opinions. Can I mean, somebody he, sing this? Can, well, uh, you know, is this range ridiculous? Can, you know, uh, uh, can, and, and, and over the years we've developed a, a shorthand uh, and also he, uh, the questions come less because I think he now Trusts you. Trusts the limits and, and, and knows that either I will make it work or he can fix it. But um, I, I'm brought in pretty fairly early. I, I feel like it should be earlier, not just particularly with him, but because I think uh, it's a collaborative art form. And uh, the more people involved, even if their ideas aren't used, is a good idea. Well, I, I, I have noticed, interestingly, that on most musicals, at the bottom of the credits it says the director. Mm -hmm. Above that person is the choreographer. And then in your case, and in rare other cases, the next line above is musical director on a line comparable to the dance director and the overall director, mm -hmm. which I've noticed as something which certainly gives certain weight to the musical director. Um, is that something that, uh, that I mean, obviously, y your relationship with Steve indicates that you are important that way, but is, that al is it always that important? No. It, it, to be absolutely frank with you, you have to... Uh, argue for it still right <laughs> and and you have to uh, for the have, credit and the you have to earn it in other words even though you have earned it you might not get it mm -hmm. but you have to keep fighting for it because what the, the thing you said was 
we, the musical director's job is not looked upon as it is in opera or other higher levels of entertainment. So it's just normal that, a, that, a, that a, well, they don't call that an opera, they call them conductor, but, but the musical director in the theater, because of how they started, never had any stature. Uh, it was just somebody that played the music and, and, and they got through it as, as easily as they can. Composers uh, that knew the difference, mm -hmm. like uh, the, the person that you work for right. and, and uh, Sondheim, helped that along and always mention your name and always keep you out there. But, but you still have to, as, a, as an artist yourself, fight for what you think is a proper credit. And, and to be in a line with, with three other people that are, that, are, that, are, that are fine artists but have not the responsibility, and to have many times, for instance, in the choreographic department, you have somebody that's done one show. But they get a line but by themselves. But they get a line by the director. That's because they have a union that says they get that. So since my union doesn't say that, you have to fight for it. What union are, are you a part of? The, the American Federation of Musicians, Local 802. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the orchestra, I mean the players as well. Players as well, uh, and usually the orchestrators as well. Uh, copyists the, too? Copyists also, yes. Everybody belongs to that union. And, and the, the, problem, the only problem with the union as opposed to the director's union is they don't, they, they, it, it comes from, a, from a, a, a labor sense as opposed to an artistic sense. It comes from, you know, CIA, whatever that is. That right, the AFL. AFL, AFL, right. And, and uh, um, so they're, they're, they're the, 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 the thought is you are workers. Your workers and everybody, right. everybody sort of the fits same. into their thing. So, so that if you want to advance, for instance, orchestrators, you know, uh, uh, once the show is up, I defy anybody to tell me who the orchestrator is because most of them don't even know that's the job. Right. And nobody ever looks. You know, people think I do it. I mean, mm -hmm. people have come to me over the bay and said, "Those are wonderful orchestrations." They go, "No, I didn't do them. Look at your program." It's, right. You know. So I mean, the whole the whole idea of of doing this job. Uh, uh, you don't do any of these jobs for, for, for credit, necessarily. But after a while, you realize, I mean, I fought for that credit for two reasons. I thought that I deserved it when I fought for it, and it took me five years of fighting for it to get it. Um, and they argue about silly things. Will you be the same size as the director? Will you be smaller than the choreographer? All this, it doesn't matter that your name is there on a single line is what's important because it focuses on the job so people understand what's, what you do. I also thought if I could accomplish getting it that it would help other people get it. Um, How uh, many years were you at it before you were oh successful? Uh, I, I, let's see, I've been here 30 years. I've had that credit. I started in 1969 in New York. I didn't get that credit until in the 90s. I would say the last four shows. Well, it, 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 that brings up a, a you know a, a question about about deserving. You obviously deserve this. You fight. I happen to believe, by the way, that you do deserve that, and oh, and, and a few other people do, yeah, but a I lot agree. of them don't. I agree. That's that's true. I and mean, I think that's part of the part of the. Well, I think now I think now what's happened, because I got it through negotiation, that that everybody that thinks they deserve it because I, you know, the ones that don't deserve it, most people know they don't deserve it. Right, right. <laughs> the ones that do are going to have to fight a little harder. I agree with you. I think they're ones that do besides myself also. At the moment, I'm the only one. Mm -hmm. I think Eric Stern is another conductor in New York. I think he has had it once. I think he might have had it on Follies. I don't remember. Mm -hmm. But um, uh, people are reluctant 
because it's change. Well, and also I, I think if, if, if one studies playbills from days gone by, there are a lot of, of positions. The lighting designer was never a designer, it was in the back with the That's shoes. Correct. correct. And the orchestrator, as Hans Bialik used to say, I was, you know, between the shoes and the something right. else. Um, but I think we're sort of in a transition here, are we? In terms I, I of hope so. I mean, I, one of the things I'm trying to do now, because a music, uh, a music staff of a musical is, is larger than one thinks. It's the musical director, and it's usually two assistants, and then uh, who are also the rehearsal pianist, then plus a rehearsal pianist or a dance arranger on top of that. So that's a fairly big department that nobody actually knows is there. Right. What and, and do they all work for you? Yes. What I, except for sometimes, they all work for me, but sometimes the dance arranger comes from the choreographic department. That she, she or he hire that person. Right. Because they, and I think that's right, because they. It's a collaborative. It's and they something work. They, they work together, you know. I, I've, I've, uh, I've titled the two assistants on purpose. I've titled one an associate and one an assistant, because that way it gives them a title. It gives them, what you can tell which one is first or second. Right, right. And. They're still relegated to the, the back of the program, but at least they're there under their name. The other thing I'd like to bring up where we're on this yeah. subject is the orchestra, because I'll tell you a story that I don't think, I don't know whether I ever told anybody this. Jonathan Tunick and I did Sweeney Todd together, and uh, we went to do the recording. And uh, we discussed, because in those days, and you look at, you look at your albums at home, in those days there was no orchestra listed. You, it could have been, you know, the, the, the Berlin Philharmonic. For all, nobody right. said anything about any musicians. And these people who play in the pits in New York are, are freelance musicians who, who are incredibly talented and incredibly versatile. And a lot of people don't know that. That's why the records sound the way they do. Um, uh, we were talking about getting the orchestra put on into the, the credit. The credits, everyone listening. And, and uh, they all looked at us like we just said, we'd like 50% of the gross. Right, right. I mean, it was like the most ridiculous request. And, and, you know, we showed them in another album. Jonathan will remember this. We showed him in another album, look, you know, there's this wasted space here. Why couldn't you just put him in there? No, no, we couldn't do that. So we actually said to the producer, okay, well then leave our names off and put it in the space you save for our names. And he looked at us. We thought it was a stupid, it will never right. work. It worked. <laughs> He said, oh, no, we couldn't do that. Well, let, let's, and they, they and that's, so that's, the, to my knowledge, the first time the orchestra has been listed on the, on the thing. The same fight went through programs in, in the programs in, in the theaters. If you look at early programs, the orchestra was never listed. Um, but I think that, that's great. Now, what about substitutes? They're not listed. Not in New York, no. Right. Not, 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 no, they can't because they can't change. But if the orchestra changes as a permanent person does, and it just over the time, over a period of time, it will it it it, it raises the awareness of what exactly going on in the in the uh, That's theater. That's great. I, I want to go back to sort of a little bit of of basics. I mean, Steve is probably Steve Sondheim is probably a, a good example. In, in, if we can sort of think about the early years, your early years with them, because now you speak shorthand. But obviously, when a, when a new musical is being put together, the musical director is hired by the composer. Mm -hmm. Producer, yeah. I mean, basically the producer does the actual hiring, but the composer is the one who says, that's the man I that's, want. That's the, the woman man I want. I want. And, 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 and usually, to just to back up one yes. step, to get to this job, maybe I'm jumping a question. That's okay, here, we'll hop to, around. But it's to get to this job, the best way to get to this job, if that's what you want to do, is to play in the orchestra pit. 
And I say that for this reason. And that's always been. It's never changed. It hasn't changed for years. If you know a composer that's writing a musical, you may get the job as the conductor. But if the producer doesn't know you and you have any background, chances are he'll get talked out of it. And you have to remember one thing. The composer wants his work done. He loves you, but he wants his work done. So if something has to go, it's going to be you. <laughs> I'm just thinking because <laughs> That's very it's happened to me before. So I know, I know this. Is when a composer wanted you and a producer didn't? When a composer wanted me very early on, nobody, nobody knew. I had done nothing. I, I mean, I was a ballet conductor, and I, they didn't know me from Adam. And the guy said no. So I didn't get to do the show. The producer. Have you yeah, worked with that producer since? Oh, yeah. For more but, money, I bet. Uh, yeah, lots more money. <laughs> uh, but now he's going to pay for it. No. Right, right. But I just wanted to point out that, yeah. that the, you know, how, you, the get hierarchy how you get started in this job, y yes, if you know. I had already played and conducted for Hal Prince when I met Steve Sondheim. Right. So, so it, was, it was the way I got in, believe it or not, was this doesn't happen all the time. So don't take it. But I'm going to tell you how it happened. <laughs> I gave my uh, I gave my resume to uh, a, a man named Hal Hastings, who you'll see on a lot of your recordings. Um, after seeing Cabaret, because I was in town with something else, not working here, not 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 working here at all, and uh, um, went to see Cabaret because I had an actor friend in it. And and uh, anyway, uh, yeah. he hired me because of my resume, because I had a lot of conducting experience. But he hired me as, as a drummer, as a drummer, not as a conductor. And I went out on the road with Cabaret as the drummer, not as even the assistant conductor. I just had a lot of promises in the background. Playing in the orchestra pit and getting to know the guys and the girls in the, in the orchestra and being around, you know, the producers and the directors and the composers and getting to know them uh, is how I got a leg up. And, and and being pushy, of course. But right, but, but you sent the resume to the right person at the I, right time. I handed it to him as he came out the stage door because my actor friend said, that's Hal Hastings, the musical director. I love this show. Here's my resume. I mean, I didn't know any better that that was pushy. I thought that was the way to do it. So, <laughs> But I do remember, not, not to tell tales out of school, but because one of the shows you worked on was Follies, and I worked on it as well. And you know, we, we had a dinner once when I remember you said, I'll, I, don't I don't know if they'll ever get me, let me conduct, and I'd conduct better than, than a lot of other people. That's right, and I did. Yeah, no, I, I think did. the persistence is, it, is good. It, but it, you it, also played the drums rather well. Yes, well, I did. Have I you was, played the drums since? No. <laughs> I'll tell you, it, it is, it, you know inside, uh, uh, I just whacked the microphone, so you'll have to cut that out. Okay. <laughs> uh, you, you, you know inside that you, you want to do something. The, the, most, the, most, the hardest thing to do, I think, is to uh, be motivated to really do something and not to get discouraged about something that you really feel you're right for. I mean, you know, there are some incredible musicians around uh, playing. They don't want to do anything else. They don't want to be a conductor. They don't want to compose. They want to play their instruments. I think that's commendable, considering, yeah. you know. And and the fact of the matter is, that 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 drive, that motivation, certainly made put me where I am because I, I I knew that this is what I was supposed to do. But also get your name out, get known. Oh yeah, get around, get around in the get around in the community. Don't don't you don't have to go going to the producer's office. Or the going to Hal Prince's office and introducing yourself is a waste of time because <laughs> nobody else knows who you are. Right. But playing with the guys in the pit, I mean, I have a girl right now as my associate conductor. That's, number, that's the number one position under mm -hmm. me. In um, Kiss Me Kate. In Kiss Me Kate, who's now is going to move to, to Into the Woods with me, who I found, I heard about because she was conducting on the road in Les Mis. I thought... 
And she wrote me a letter and asked if we could meet, and I met her, and I thought she was really interesting, and I said, but you're going to have to play in the York because I want, uh, you have to come from the orchestra to be a conductor in my head, um, because it just teaches you so much. Are th do you know of any, um, not by name, but conductors on Broadway who haven't come out of the orchestra? No, okay. I don't think so. That's a, that's, I don't think so. That's, no. that's a good point. Mm -hmm. Um, because you have to start there. There's no place to start, and and and, and y y y y it's just the way you know. It's like an apprenticeship, just yeah. like in the in the in the stagehands. Do you, as the musical director, now get to choose the freelance players that make up your orchestra yes, on Broadway? Yes, is I've, that al I've always done that actually. But is that something that normally goes with musical director, or do you build up no. into that? No, I, I think that it, it, you 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 know, if you're the musical director, you set the rules, so to speak. The rules of. with the orchestra. Meaning that you say, if, they, if, the, if the producing office says to you, we have an outside contractor, is what they're called, we always use. Who books the orchestra. Who books the orchestra, which is what they said to me on my first job. And I said, that's fine, but I want to have total say of who it is. And they looked at me like I was a cocky little, and you, I was. Uh, but I did that for a reason, because I don't know how to look at a group of men and women and ask them to do something for me artistically that I haven't hired. I mean, it's yeah. like, it's, it's a different friendship. But I assume that the contractor was hired by the producer, and in theory, if there's going to... Most of the time, yes. Most of the time. And the contractor, in theory, knows all the players in New York, and in theory, would book the band that he would think would be right for the show, but sometimes... I think, I think it is, I think it is a, um, again, a collaborative, it should be collaborative, because something I'm looking for, he may not be looking for. Because right. he doesn't know what I'm looking right. for, even though I've explained it to him. You know that the, the I know what part I, is going to be difficult. That's right. And, and very he, high. And he, it better yeah, yeah, he may not know that. And right. I can explain that to him. But he's still going to use the guy that was the good flute player on another show, maybe. Right. Not always, but maybe. Or didn't get the last job because he was out of town and now this show is that's in town. Right. So that's correct. And he's got four other shows going someplace else and he doesn't want to move people mm -hmm. around. But... Uh, but that, again, that's that's that, something which you, which yeah. you again part of the bravado, if well, I may, that you you insist on. You're known for that, which is great. Well, well that what, 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 one of the things I thought was sort of correct was to say that you get to say who the orchestra, you know, or at least have something to say about it because <laughs> you have to stand up in front of them. Right. Um, what I do now, and it, now it's not a problem because it's just taken for granted. But what it, what I started out doing. Uh, by is saying, I'll take care of the orchestra, and the guy, I will also choose the guy in the orchestra that has to be a contract by, contractor by union rule who basically makes out the payroll. That's, that's his paper right. job, and he gets a little money for it. You don't need to hire an outside contractor because you'll save that money. I'll do that job to start with. Now, what does that mean? That means I have to spend maybe six hours out of two months sort of milling over a bunch of musicians in my head, putting them together, seeing what I think personality-wise and music-wise works, and then I tell this contractor. That's, that's the total amount of the work. Uh, but do, do you get a, a contractor's fee for doing that that would have gone to somebody else? No. No. I and mean, I, I get whatever my fee is, is all involved in that. But I don't get, I don't say, and now the $600 that he got, now I get. No, right. I, never, I don't do that. And just so, so we can get out of the way, the, the fee, a musical director is paid a standard fee by the union, negotiable? Yeah, the musical director is paid, a, a, a has union scale fee, it's conductor's fee. It's 75% 
of, of whatever scale is. So, you know, you do the math. If it's the scale is $1,100 a week for a sideman, just 75% more add to it, and that's what a conductor's salary is. When you are able, you can negotiate that salary. Uh, I didn't negotiate anything for 12 years because I worked for Hal, and I got told what was I was going to get paid. Right. I asked. Right. <laughs> but, but the thing is, you... you in all fairness, you do have to have some kind of a reputation, and, and, and it's, you're selling a product yourself. So, so you have to have some kind of reputation that somebody wants before you can say, oh, I, I want, you know. You have to have a position of strength from which yeah, to negotiate. Yeah, you can't just, you know, decide that, that that's what he makes, so that's what I'm making. So, you know, and you, uh, you pay your dues, as they say. Do you, do you get a royalty? Um, now I do. Because again, back to the back to the credits. The director, the you know those two guys below, the choreographer and the director, they do get a royalty based on the work that they've done in rehearsal as it plays on. But you right, I, I now I am now able in a contract to get a royalty, because basically, I'm the old man of the sea. Right. They have to give me a royalty <laughs> now. But but it's not you know it it should not, you should not come out and expect all this. You know my first salary, and I, this always sounds like my father saying, you know, when I went to school, right, right. but my first salary on the road was $450 a week. That included, uh, what do you call it? Per uh, diem. Per diem. And, and, you know, it was, uh, yes, granted, it was 1970, but, but, but you know, that. what it is. I mean, that's, that's, it, it, I did it because I wanted to do this work. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I still, I have to say, do not let money influence whether I take a job or not. I, I think that jobs are worth it. And I think when somebody, um, shall we say, uh, uh, who, who's, who's building the set makes more than the musical director, I don't think that's correct. Mm -hmm. But there are guidelines. And if you really want to do a job, then you, you do, do it. it. I mean, you know, you, that's, that's what the profession is. Great. You're not looking for the gold watch at the end of the <laughs> right. whatever. Well, I'm going to go back, back to, to, to the sort of the beginning of, of, of rehearsals and some practical questions. When Steve Sondheim, or, or a, a living composer, hands you a song, and, and um, you know, or it's all, I mean, obviously you have casting. Are you in on casting? Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and in theory, you're there as a collaborative member of the team, but also to speak up for the, for the musicality of it? I right. Because occasionally yeah. the composer will say, I love that person's yeah. color, or that, I mean, you know, of the voice or whatever. Can she sing it, Ball? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, sometimes, I think, I think you have to be, you have to learn to be, um, have a big mouth and say what you think. Uh, if you can't say what you think in the work that you're doing, then you're in the wrong business. And, and nobody, I don't care who it is, as frightening and scary as they might be, and as young as you might be, uh, uh, new in the business, so to speak, I think the most, the most um, important thing that you can do is be honest. And if you have an opinion, you state it in a, in a, in a, in a, in a uh, what do I want to say, in a, in a, straightforward, in a, in a straightforward manner. manner without being, you know, smart aleck about it. And you'll either, they'll either take your advice or they won't, but at least you've said it. And I don't think you want to leave the room without saying that. In cases of auditioning, you know, when you hear somebody, sometimes uh, people who write, meaning composers and, and lyricists and so on, are, are affected by the performance. And you have to remind them that, that the range is not there. Right. That's not always an easy thing to do, especially when you're young just starting out. Right. And, and if you're young just starting out and somebody like Steve Sondheim sitting next to you, or Cy Coleman, or somebody like it's it's hard to speak up. Right, right. But I think it's your job. Right. And I think in the long run, they respect you for that. 
And, uh, Maybe the messenger delivering the bad news. Sort but, of, yeah. But you yeah. Have to and I mean, sometimes you're overruled, and you just have to deal with it. I mean, I many, many times uh, have had to deal with, with situations where it were, wasn't the most ideal, shall we say. Mm -hmm. But yes, casting, casting is a very important part of the musical director's job, and, and that's why I'm stressing, underlining the honesty of it. Right. You know, anything can be said in a, in a, in a, in a business-like fashion and not, so that you don't get your head chopped off. You know, arrogance doesn't belong in the room. Right. But you still have to say what you believe, even though the people around you have had twice its experience. Your ears are what they're paying for, and that's what you should let them use. Do you, do you also get brought in on the discussion of the orchestrator, the dance arranger, the vocal arranger, and copyists? And this depends. Of course, if the composer's dead, certainly. <laughs> but if, in cases of Steve, I already know who the orchestrator's going to be most of the time, and because he, he only uses about two. Right. Um, Cy Coleman and John Kander, I, th I think I probably have more discussion with Cy Coleman about an orchestrator, one would, than than say John Cander, who's used the same person. Mm -hmm. you know, it, d it depends. It's not usually the composer has somebody in mind for that job. If he doesn't, he'll ask you. Right. You know. And if you think, again, if you think it's the wrong choice, you might suggest that <laughs> you might listen. To, uh, it not may not work. But again, it's it's part of your job to be that that person going. Well, are you sure? Because you're protecting the piece. You're protecting the composer. You're that's your main function is to take the score that he wrote dead or alive, and, and protect, it and, and protect it. it and love it, and, yeah. and, and do the best you can with it. So by telling somebody, you know, you, know, you need a soprano for that, that person really can't sing that, may, may sound arrogant and, and youthful at the moment, but the fact of the matter is, if it's the truth, then that's exactly what he right. needs to hear. Right. And y y you talked about your two assistants. In the rehearsal room, do you teach the performers the music, or do you rely on the two assistants to do that? Well, I'm a hog. <laughs> I mean, it's not that they can't do it, but the first time out, I learn a lot by teaching a piece of music to a new group of people. So, I mean, now at Christmas Carol, for instance, I, I don't teach the notes, they do. Which is the a show that's done every year. Every year, yeah. But the first year, I, because I was doing the vocal arrangements right on the spot, I did them. But I also, it teaches me about who the company is. Right. So I always take the last few vocal rehearsals and do them. But in a in a show, no matter what, I do the person. Even if, no matter if I've done it, even like into the woods coming up, I will do the teaching myself, with with them there helping me. But but I, I'd like to do it because I get to know, you get to know the personalities and who you're dealing with, as opposed to just coming in, like they do an opera and you have. Right. 80 people standing in front of you, you never saw before. And you're the butterfly tonight. We know what you're going to sing, <laughs> and you stand there. That's yeah. right. So, yes, I do. And as rehearsals are going along, I assume that the composer and the orchestrator, for that matter, they're not in the rehearsal room. So do, they, do you talk to them at the end of every day? Do you? Um, some are and some aren't. It usually, and again, it's a trust factor. Steve uh, Sondheim and myself right at the moment, he comes to the first reading, and then I never see him again until the first preview. I mean, that's, that's an but exaggeration, but, right. but he, no, and I talk to him every day, and if I change anything, if I do, I talk to him. Uh, if you're, let me stop there. Change, what, what would you change? Well, if I change, if, I, if, 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 uh, if uh, he, let's say that, uh, that, that he's written a song, or anybody's written a song, they usually do it in their key, and what they can sing, because they, they have to perform it. Okay, they have to perform it. So that's the first thing, usually, that has to be changed. Also, if, if, in creating the moment in the show with the director, if he's not there, and I have, or the composer's not there, and, he, and the director wants to go in a direction, and it means adding some bars, or if it means 
maybe making a key change that, that, that I hear in my head that maybe will work better here. After doing it and trying it, I call him on the phone and say, listen, I, here's I, what we tried today. Here's what, what we tried today. What do you think? And he, in some cases, they go, well, well, let me hear it in the room. Or sometimes they go, let me go to the piano and I'll call you back or whatever. Or sometimes it's absolutely not. A, I, I put it right back the way I wrote it. And I'm fine with that. They know. Yeah. Uh, but that's, that's yeah. the process. Are, are you the one who gives mm -hmm. material to the orchestrator when it is rehearsed enough so that it's solid? Yeah, what, what happens is usually it's a collaboration between the dance department and the music department, meaning when the dance arrangement isn't done or a ballad is done, I mean, it, when it doesn't involve the dance, but we, you call the, 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 the normal process is you go into rehearsal and about two weeks down the road, depending on you, and it is the musical director's job to keep track of this time clock because <laughs> everybody else is going to forget. And then at the end of the four-week rehearsal, they're going to try and give the orchestrator, you know, 400 arrangements. So you, as the musical director, be way before rehearsals start, look at the music and figure out a time plan. Now, I know from doing a lot of shows that don't even try the first week because nothing's going to be done the first <laughs> week. If you're lucky, at the end of the second week, you might give the guy two things. If you're lucky, like in, in let's take a show like, um, like Gypsy, okay? Uh, not, th th there are some solos in that, but not a great deal of solos that don't involve staging. So you're going to have to have another department in it, as opposed but to say... A, but a solo, I mean, a, a song that is going to be, that looks, from your standpoint, to be a ballad that's sung fairly straightforwardly through, without a dance arrangement, without a vocal right. arrangement, that's probably an early yeah. one to get yeah, to Yeah, like Little Lamb, for instance, right. or, or, or some, of the, some of the solos in Oklahoma. I was just yeah. thinking, I was making the two examples, because right. in, in Oklahoma, there's more solos than you can, and you could, I could give more to the orchestrator earlier. Mm -hmm. So those what I point for the end of the second week. But the other thing is, you have to be careful of, is staging. They should be staged and almost complete. Whether the actor has them completely together, that's okay. That doesn't matter. Yeah. But they must, because it's so important for you to show the orchestrator what is going to be on the stage, what it looks like, what, what, where we are, what the scene's going to be. Mm -hmm. how, what, because, you know, he's, he's score for you, so right. to speak. He has to know what the scene is. And, and to just show him a girl at the piano singing the song doesn't mean anything. Do, have you ever done dance arrangements, or is that a job that's specifically no, somebody I only else? do them. I only, I rarely do them uh, underscoring I've done a lot of, but I rarely do dance arrangements because it's usually something that's in another room that I have to, be, I can't right. take the time. If it's, if it's nothing, if, I mean, if it doesn't, doesn't involve a lot of stuff and we're all, yes, we can, I can do them together with the, with the rehearsal. But also, it's part of your responsibility, I assume, to make certain that the dance arrangements are, are in keeping with what the composer yes, and yeah. the, the choreographer. Overall, you're re as the musical director, not the conductor, right, but we'll as, the as the musical director, uh, it is your responsibility. I mean, if I hear something in a dance arrangement I don't think is stylistically right, and that's perfectly legitimate because they're in a room creating something. You can go off I've done it doing vocal arrangements before, and suddenly hear them and go, oops, where did I go? You know, so you, it, it, it's an ear. You know, you just lend your ear to all aspects of the music and, and make sure that the line is, or at least where, where, where the three of you, meaning the composer, the director, and the choreographer, and yourself, four, that's four, mm -hmm. are trying to go, you know, is in the same line. Yes. And then, then, so a, a, as rehearsals come to an end, uh, it, when does the orchestra come into it? The orchestra doesn't come into it. Anyway, just yeah. to go quickly, uh, then you give the orchestrator, at the end of this, you start giving the orchestrator the music, or uh, sh 
uh, finished products, or at least sort of finished products, at the end of the second week of rehearsal, and now you set up a schedule every week, and you figure out how you're going to get done. And the last thing, you have to give him the last thing before the end of the last week of rehearsal, because now you've got two weeks of text, and within that two weeks of text, near the end, comes the orchestra, meaning you have the orchestra reading. So he has to have enough time to write it and have it copied, you know. Uh, th th that is... I mean, one cannot underestimate the amount of sheer time it takes for an orchestrator to take a score and, you know... No, no, because it's, it's creative. It could, he could get stuck on something and it could take him a week. I mean, the fastest I've ever known anybody to do anything is Jonathan Tunick orchestrated Sweeney Todd in 45 days. Uh, it was... I don't know how he did that, but... but, and, yeah, but and, I mean, in a funny way, you say 45 days. Gee, it sounds like a long time, but how many bars of music was Sweeney Todd? Oh, my God, it's... Uh, uh, it's got to be over 5,000 bars, I would think. You know, it's, it's a huge score. But, I mean, it, 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 it 45 days is nothing for, for a score like that. Any, mo most people, I mean, I think what happened to Jonathan, although Jonathan is fast, is he hit a stride. I mean, lots he, of times guys go through stuff really fast and then get stuck on something. Yeah. He didn't get stuck. So, you know, but anyway, the point is that you've got to give them enough time to, to otherwise you get sloppy work. Have you, ever, have you ever been in, in, in a situation where you're, you, well, you, you obviously don't hear the orchestrations until they're played by the orchestra, but you can read them and you can sense them along the way. Did you sense that, that the orchestrator is not pulling his or her weight? And maybe there's a change that has to be made? No. I've changed orchestrations or asked them for them to be changed. But, uh, but most of the time, the guys, I've been lucky enough to work with really great people. And I've never had to do that. It usually happens with very young orchestrators because it gets so you know, so busy and so, so See, I mean, one of the things that, 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 I, that I sense is, you know, that there's a confidence factor in good orchestrating that doesn't add every single right. illustration for every lyric and stuff like that. Right, and I'm sure right exactly. And I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's um, and, and every orchestrator has his own style. But so, but yes, I have, I have, I haven't turned them back in, but I've looked stuff and said to them before we played it, you know, this is, Something's wrong with this. Doesn't look right. right. Is this what you mean? And they've gone back and looked at it in the case I'm thinking of and went, you know what, I don't mean that, and fixed it. And it may have, what, it may have been an early one? It was a late one, actually. Interesting. It was a late one, because I think this was a young orchestrator, and, and I think he got nervous. I think mm. he got, uh, the pressure is, the pressure, you don't sleep a lot doing a Broadway show <laughs> if you're an orchestrator. You don't sleep a lot towards the end if you're involved in a Broadway show, no matter what job you have. The but, crunch. But that is really, cause, because the train is coming, you know. When I, when I say the orchestra rehearsal is on May 5th at 10 o'clock, that's all he hears, that guy. Right. So the closer and he's he hearing gets, that in February. That's right. And the closer he gets to it, the, the worse the pressure gets. So that's why I'm saying it's part of your job as a musical director to sort of make that, keep the pressure on, but don't, you know, like don't hand him 10 things at once right. because it overwhelms them. They, they, they do occasionally have help, right? They farm stuff out if... if yes, if that does happen. Orchestrators yeah. al Orchest alone. Orchestrators alone, on their own, without... Well, lots of them have said to me, I'm going to farm this out, do you mind? But most of the time, I don't want to know about it. Because okay. most of the time, if I don't know about it, uh, the guys are... Most of the guys are skillful enough that you don't know that they've... Uh, only by handwriting right. do you know. And, and uh, um, that's... I want to say one other thing here because it just crossed my mind. Learn how, if, you, if you're going to do this job, learn how to read full score. Don't come in here like a piano player and open your little book with the notes and the, and the words and think you're going to know what the orchestra is about. It's so much more 
not only fulfilling as an artist, but, but useful to know how to read an orchestra score. And, and, and you start out by doing that in orchestra rehearsal, and you do it right through the performance, just like you know, you're supposed to. A lot of people don't do that on Broadway. It's very important that you do. It's amazing the difference in, uh, of your whole approach and concept of what the score is, if you can do that. Now, are piano conductor scores still put together, which is a reduction of the orchestration? For yeah, they are. But like for Into the Woods, we did something different, which I think is cool. But <laughs> most people, I mean, they haven't, it hasn't caught on, shall we say, because it, you know, it just hasn't come it, up, uh, which is we, we, we reduced the full score. What I mean is you get, the, you know, the book like that, right. which is full score, and you get the vocal score. Right. So you can use the vocal score in rehearsal, and then when you get the orchestra, you can open up the full score. Uh, the problem with that is not all orchestrators want to let their score out. I don't know why, but they don't. And, and maybe because they think it's, it's going to be stolen or something or, or redone. Or I don't know what. But, but it's, it's, you know, when you do a, a, a like I just, we're talking about night music. You do night music now and you open, uh, you open a, uh, what you said. A, 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 a piano a, a, conductor? A piano conductor. And unless you know the score, I defy you to tell me what's going to play next. I mean, it's really, it's really a problem. But, but that's also, I think, a, a, a tradition that has changed because, again, as you say, the, you know, the theater is full of things that, t t that change in time. And in the old days, the person who wagged the stick sometimes couldn't read a score, so it's just sometimes there are even Not one on melody line. type could they read a score. Yeah. No. But nowadays... The now, now, the now, now that, I, uh, generally speaking, the level of musicianship is higher. Wh where do electronic instruments come into the score reading aspect of this? What do you mean by that? Well, uh, I mean, I know there are synthesizers, which in some instances take the place of certain instruments, but well, are, there, are there electronic th instruments in orchestras today that have different scores of their own? No. I mean, classical music, yes, but not, not, not on Broadway. I mean, most of the time, if you have a synth, and it is taking the place of another instrument, which is... It's the strings or the harp. No, no. Um, well, it's... But it's done. It never sounds as good as no, the no, instruments. No, no. Uh, it says that. Y you have it on the keyboard line, and it says harp. Right. Right. Uh, the, in, in, in a couple of scores, Into the Woods happens to be one. Um, you have electronic drums playing. A, 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 the witch has a little rap, or sort of semi-classical rap. I don't know what you call it. <laughs> and, and Jonathan scored for electronic drums, those little, those little street drums you used to have. And those are scored like tom-toms, only it says electronic drums over it. Uh, but are the, are the electronic drums t in the, on the instruments today, the electronic instruments today, similar to the ones when Into the Woods was first done, or does it matter? Yeah, they, they, they're pretty much, that, that particular thing was, 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 the difference now in usage, for instance, is in Kiss Me Kate's a good example. Uh, we have 15 players in the pit. It doesn't sound like that. It sounds it's like a lot more. It certainly does not sound like that. Uh, and that's the skill of the orchestrator. Right. I want to give him full credit for that because that's exactly who did that. But one of the things we decided, because this, this particular orchestrator, Don Sebesky is his name, uh, and I have a really good relationship, and I, I, we, ha we talked a lot about the orchestrations and what not to do with them, because the reverence we have for what was done before and the music itself, we didn't want to fool around. Mm -hmm. We didn't want to do, do you know, modern things that didn't make any sense. So we basically pushed buttons, style buttons that they didn't do in the 50s, because in the 50s, if you listen to your records again, you'll find that many of the orchestrations were all the same, no matter what the subject matter was. Right. You know, so what we try to do is, if you were in a Shakespeare scene, he tried to make it sound a little bit different, and if you were in a swing period, you, you made it, he, we pushed that button. We only, we couldn't, because of 15, you, 
couldn't have a percussionist and a drummer. So he gave the drummer a lot of things to play, but he put percussion instruments on the synthesis, on the keyboard chair. And one of the things that's interesting he did musically in that show is he doesn't use the piano as an accompaniment figure ever. You never hear, a piano. Like, you, like you hear in, in the 50s, you hear the piano playing these accompaniment figures. Right. He's not there. The, the orchestra plays that. And it's, it's fills like in, in, like in a swing band more than it is, you know, playing accompaniment figures. And he plays percussion instruments, you know, like timpani and, uh, you know, to help, to help out. So, right. so, so that, it's taking the limited number of people and being really clever between you exactly. and the orchestrator. Exactly. And in, in the score, it what it says, it, you see the piano line goes along, and then you see these timpani notes, and it says timpani, right. you know, electronic timpani. So it doesn't move. It doesn't move. It yeah. just stays in the same line. I want to go back to what you said about the 50s when the orchestrations tend to sound alike. Yeah. Do you think that was an orchestrator's problem, if it's a problem, or a composer's problem? No, I think, I think we, they were in a period of where they called, you remember they maybe said, has ah, the Broadway sound. Right, right. I think that's what that was about. And I mean, uh, I think that, uh, that, that once the Broadway sound, unquote, was established, no matter what you did, that's what it had to be. And it worked great for Gypsy, and it worked great for Pajama Game, but you know, I, some other shows like I don't know what I can't give an yeah. example, but, but but some other shows like like Kiss Me Kate. Well, Camelot. I mean, think of Camelot as being you know the same orchestrator did Camelot and My Fair Lady, and they take place in the, maybe the same country, but very different times. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I don't think it's an orchestrator's problem as much as what what was ex what the composer wanted to hear. But are you talking? Do you think that's that's in the main body of orchestration or in the sort of color around the orchestration? In terms of placing it in the time in a, in a I, I, I think it's I think it's the totally the orchestration. I think okay. they just thought a Broadway sound sounded like this, and that's what you write. I don't care what they're doing yeah. on the stage. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it was, you know, it made perfect sense then, but it's kind of weird now. Yeah. So now, now I want to get to w when when all these pieces have come together, and the orchestrations are you know, the, and it's Tech Week, and the, the actors have been worked and stuff like that. Now the musical director picks up a baton mm -hmm. because now you're sort of becoming the conductor. That's correct. Or you're not sort of becoming, to, you know, yeah. you are. Yeah. And I assume that you then will always conduct it at the beginning. Yes. I, 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 most of the time, the musical director conducts at, at least, you know, unless, unless, as I say, he's not of the country, at least the first six months. Mm -hmm. um, I, I usually do more. I usually end up doing a year. Now, th that's because I don't always stay there that all that time. I mean, in other words, You'll come the producers go. are nice enough to say, Yes, go do this concert. Yes, go, to, but come back. So, I would say that I would, I will do. I mean, Kiss Me, Kate, when it opened. Well, I can't think of a show that's opened that I haven't done at least the first seven, eight months without, you know, without leaving. Then I might go and do something. And and if somebody, if 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 somebody has a show, I mean, in 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 when in when I when I was really working like in the seventies and stuff. It's not that I'm working any less now, but I'm working on less new stuff mm -hmm. because when there I is less new for stuff. twelve years of with Hal Prince, I did a new musical every year. It was uh, extraordinary. I didn't know it was extraordinary till now. Right. right, right <laughs> you know, but I mean, it was extraordinary to have all that new material to work on and 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 all the time. Mm -hmm. So in that case, I would do. I would stay stay uh, in a show for six months, and then I'd be, but I'd still be working on something else. Mm -hmm. So I would say for, for if, you, if, if you're trying to see what, what you would do with this job, if you got a job as a young musical director <coughs> and took a show, I would not leave unless I had something else really I wanted to do. Because it's, you'd learn a lot by doing a long run. Uh, you, you know, it's boring. 
it's hard to keep your concentration, but you learn how to do that because that's what part of the job is. But but also in a fun in in in, in I mean, one way of looking at it is there's a sort of luxurious position in the fact that the director director at the bottom of the of the program he gets to opening night goes to the party and goes home. That's right. The choreographer comes in for brush up rehearsals, but you're there on 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 right. on site. Therefore, right. you're really making certain with that stick that that what the, everybody did is maintained. That's true. It is part of you know I, you you you. You are sort of the representation of the of the creative team once everybody leaves, because everybody else does go home. Right, and once everybody goes home, there is there a role? You are now also the conductor. That's, if you're conducting, that's, that's correct. So it's that's not correct. that it hasn't morphed. You're still the musical director has still done what you've done in rehearsal. Now you're also the conductor. Did you get paid additional for do that doing that? Uh, no, it's one it's one one fee. You know, if if it's but if it's two people, in other words, if the conductor's conducting and I'm the musical director, if I come back in, yes, I get paid to, to, mm -hmm. to that day, whatever. But it, but uh, it, um, you don't get you get whatever you whatever you whatever you negotiate or whatever the union says, that's what you get, and the job is whatever you have to do, you do it. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no the lines are not drawn like that. And and when you're there conducting performances, who are you paying the most attention to? The stage. Because the orchestra knows what they're doing, and by that time, uh, I, I will say at first equally, they get the, most of them get the attention. But one of the reasons, and I, I, that that the other thing I think you should do is learn to memorize really quickly, because it it, it much more enhances the performance and and enables you to do your job if you don't have to keep looking down and turning pages and stuff that you see. You, you, you get in the rhythm of a scene with somebody because it's different every night, it's eight, eight times a week. Uh, you can pay attention to a soloist in the orchestra and look up at the stage and do something. You don't have to have this function. This function, you should be an actor in that sense. You should get rid of it as fast as you can. Uh, and it's harder for some people and not hard at all for others, but it's a technique that you definitely should learn and practice because it's, it, it, it's invaluable in the way you perform and how, how you can control it performance and, and how you can better you can make it by not being yeah, in your nose and in, in, in in the, the music. Do you, if, you, if somebody else is, is conducting a, a performance of, of Kiss Me Kate, do you sometimes come and lurk in the back and see what it I, I like? watch, I, I, at the beginning of, at the beginning of um, a show's run, after it's opened, I, I may give the, the associate a couple of performances so I can go out and help sound because they don't the have same. anybody running around, so I can run around and listen to them play some And you can say there's actually a flute there. <laughs> yeah, and or, or I can go upstairs and say it really sounds too loud up there, whatever. But basically, I do all the performances. After it's opened, one time a week, I let the associate do it, and I go out in the house and sit and listen. Sometimes I give notes, sometimes I don't. It's just to keep the level up, you know. Sometimes I only watch the first act. And, I, and then I go have a cup of coffee, but but it's just—it's not to check up on anybody. It's just to have an ear because yeah. the fact of the matter is nobody from the music department, it, say in the since you brought up Kiss Me Kate, there's no living composer. Right. I mean, with Steve, he comes in the back and listens and says something's wrong. And he'll talk, he'll talk to you. He'll if talk he to me about it, or or an actor if he right. thinks that's what's wrong. Do you uh, talk to the stage managers, or do you talk to the directors if you see something, or do you just go right to the? I go right to the actor yeah. myself because you're part. You have been. You I, were, I was there, so I was able to. Right. You know, so you don't I'm able to do that, and and I mean, some actors I wouldn't do that. I mean, I, I, I can't think of one at the moment, but I, I mean, I, I w if I have a relationship, which usually I do with with them by that time, 
it's easier just to go to them and, and nothing against the stage management, but they were not necessarily always in the room when it was being created. Also, so my, my information is more, even though I'm not a director, I can say, you know, when you used to do this, this happened. And remember what Michael Blakemore said about, yeah. you know, so it's like that. And, and they have a certain traffic control that they have to do, the stage managers. Yeah, and, and also, also it's, it's, it's harder for them, not all of them, but harder for them to give notes uh, if they weren't they're in the room. If they weren't in the room doing other stuff, you know, I mean, sometimes like in, in Kiss Me Kate's case or Michael Blakemore, he has the main stage manager was like the associate director. So he was there all the time, but he's not there anymore mm -hmm. at, at Kiss Me Kate. So it, it ends up to be, yes, the musical director's job. And if you see something wrong, the same thing applies that what I said about auditions. If you see something wrong that doesn't feel right, say so. All you can do is get shot down. Right. Don't go but gossip. But, but, <laughs> but don't, don't, you know, don't go behind the scenes and, you know, talk about it. If you have to say something, say it. And, and it's, 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 that's, what, that's why you're there. Mm -hmm. You know, you, your opinion counts. Um, you, had, you had spoken earlier ab about playing in the orchestra as being a really good way to become a musical director. Mm -hmm. Are there any other things or other, advi other advice about if someone wants to be a musical director, what they should do? Well, I think they ought to take acting classes. That's interesting. I think they ought to take an acting class and Why? see what it feels like. Well, because I think that if that's who they're talking to, you know, and they have no idea what that feels like to stand up and have to memorize a, a speech and, and wear a stupid piece of clothing right. and, <laughs> you know, talk to a room full of people and another person on the stage. I, you know, I, I, I thought, I didn't know, I, when I took acting in school, I did it because I had an elective and I didn't know what else to take, so I took it. I didn't want to take shop or some right. moron <laughs> thing. And so I took that. And I, I, Did you know I was, you were taking it to help being a musical director? No. Yeah. I just took it because it was an elective. I was petrified and terrible, and I, I hated it. I hated it. But I learned a great deal about what the process was. And I had some great teachers that had gr a lot of great laughs with me as an actor. <laughs> but, but, but your son is an actor, I yeah, saw. Yeah, my son's an actor. What did you do, right or wrong? I don't know. <laughs> but, um, but I think that's one thing they can do. And the other thing is learn about the voice. Don't just assume that you know about the voice. You, you take voice. So when you say to a chorus, "I want it louder," or you, or you, or or, or you have to do an, uh, a vocal arrangement in five minutes on the spot, you have some idea of what what's going what's on. What's capable and what, what's and what capable with that? And, you know, it's are you also a vocal coach, or is that another job? I'll say I'm a vocal coach, but that has nothing to do with the voice. Okay. But there are people who people go to yeah. to place <clears throat> voice and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, uh, to me, that's a vocal teacher. A vocal coach is somebody that says, you know, that's really not the right song for you. Why don't you try this okay. song for that? You know what I mean? But, but are, uh, are the vocal, if, 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 are the teachers, the people who, who can sometimes help an actor place voice and mm -hmm. stuff, are they, is that an important position for people to do a performance eight times a week? Well, it's like, it's like an athlete. It's part of, it's a muscle. They have to keep it oiled. And just because they're doing eight shows a week, I think my personal opinion is it's all more reason that they should be taking a voice lesson a week because things can get out of whack. You can do things r incorrectly, mm -hmm. and and a teacher is it's well worth. It's part of the part of the money you have to spend, and it's tax deductible. Right, uh, you know <laughs> yeah, that, for that, that you know that that, that uh, when you're a performer, like going to the gym, like like keeping in shape uh, that way, and 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 uh, vocally, not enough actors do it, but I think it is right. But I think that the that the three main things that um, that, uh, that you can do if you want to be a musical director to, to help that is conduct as much as you possibly can. I don't care if it's a three-piece band in some um, some stock company. It doesn't matter. You learn the rep. You know what? I mean, I can't tell you. Um, 
how much listening to this music did for me uh, later on. Right. I didn't know I knew that's the, I was just I, I loved it, so I always listened to it on albums. On and albums, and, and I had everything. I saw all the movies, and I, and you know, it, it just was something that, and I didn't realize it how much I knew until I was called upon to do something. And I go, oh yeah, I know that. I knew what that was. Okay. Instinctively, you know, and uh, and again, I can, I uh, take 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 as many courses or at least a course in the things you're going to be dealing with, like acting. You know, I even worked on stage crew. Uh, <laughs> I had a lot of electives left. <laughs> right. I did. I, I went. Well, never mind. Right. Think of how rich you'd be if you stayed in stage. Yeah, but but, but it's uh, it was. Um, what what about directing? Do you do you do you harbor a desire to direct? No, because I, again, I think this this I think this profession demands experts, in the sense that they're focused, and um, you know, telling an actor what I feel about what they're saying and singing is one thing. But to have to sit at a table and decide if I want this kind of a set and what the lights are, I, I, have, I know nothing yeah. about that. And I, there's enough of those people out there already. I don't want to be one of those added to, my, to that list. But, I mean, I, 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 I also feel very strongly about the job of a musical director and how important it is to keep it at, a, at, a, uh, at an expert level mm -hmm. and to hope, hopefully that other people, younger people, who want to do this will, will, will see from the example of myself and other people that are, that are doing it. Yeah. Are, are there now courses in musical direction? Or? Well, I don't think so. I don't know. I, I, I don't know that. I but any musical courses would be helpful, I assume. I think, I think basic conducting is, is, is a good course to take, although I have to say, if you want to be a conductor, you already know how to do it. Yeah. I mean, I learned conducting by watching Lenny, and that's the God honest truth. I, I, I learned what I know how to do today by watching him on television. Yeah, he was extraordinary. And, and I... I uh, but he jumped I, around a lot. You don't jump yeah, around no, a lot. No, I don't. But I mean, just uh, more from commitment and, 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 uh, and uh, I think everybody has their own style, but just his commitment and his, and his, and his approach to music in general, I think I learned a lot, and uh, a lot more than I did in my conducting class when, you know, you had to learn to do right, that. Right, right. <laughs> but because but, um, most of us already knew how to do that by that time. But you know anything, anything that uh, I, I would, I would, you know, if you're interested in harmony and stuff like that, I think you should take the highest level of that. Orchestration. Well, take it all in. Yeah, take as take, much take in as, as you much possibly as you, can. As much as you can. And when you when you finally decide on what you want to do, then that's what you stick to, because that's even though you know how to orchestrate and you know how to conduct and you know how to do all these other things, the focus on one is going to bring you the most uh, good. Spreading yourself out is is just. Uh, doesn't work, I don't think. That's a great place, spot on which to end. Thank you, okay, Paul. Good. I appreciate it. We've been talking with musical director Paul Gemignani for the American Theatre Wing. I'm Ted Chapin. The American Theatre Wing's Guide to Careers in the Theatre is a project of the American Theatre Wing and the New York Public Library's Billy Rose Theatre Collection, Theatre on Film and Tape Archive.